Cut his other arm off. Doesn't that smell nice, huh? Honeywell is an internet loudmouth. Huh, I wonder if there's any good sensitive movies about people with disabilities banding together to overcome adversity. Hated and reviled by his few remaining friends, he catches the attention of Thomas DJ, perhaps the world's most cunning supervillain. Ensconced in his ultra-scientific hideout, with only his robot army and stunning assistant to keep him company, DJ springs into action. What is this? See? Hey, Virginia, use the molecular transmigration beam to bring this fool to me! Virginia trains the hellish mechanism, and with a clap like thunder, and in a blinding psychedelic light, Chris Honeywell stands before his tormentor. Normally, I do not suffer fools, but I see beyond the yawning chasm of ignorance that is your brain and the endless sluice of sewage which is your mouth that they form a basic animal intelligence that I may be able to mold to my own devices. Uh, okay. Therefore, in my mercy, I offer you two choices. Instant painless disintegration or you study grindhouse movies at my feet now! Choose! Uh, I choose not disintegration. So be it. In one month, I shall assign you a movie to watch and will summon you again. Be ready, or the consequences shall be swift and merciless. Right, but how do I get to the- Now go! And thus began one of the most dangerous and unpredictable endeavors in evil sciencing. The Honeywell Experiment. Honeywell Experiment. Experiment.
Virginia, where are my arms exactly? I should not have done that experiment. That's what. Ow! What are you doing down there? Um. Apparently, I do not have any legs this time. Just a minute. We're having some. We're having some problem. Ah, there you go. Okay, just, just a second. <sighs> Thank you, Virginia. Okay. So, let's sit at this table. Would you like some tea? I would love some tea. How about some chicken? Oh, yeah. Uh, I, what uh, is it about the films we cover and chickens? Just prop that just chicken right here on my shoulder and I'll work on it. <laughs> okay. So, um... Did you watch the movie? Oh, I watched it all right. Mm-hmm. I've been hearing about this one for... This one I've known about most of my movie-watching life, and so well, I finally got to see it. This. this was suggested to us by Tom Carnell out on the, on the West Coast. Um, and I think it's one of those films that you kind of feel icky watching because it's real people with real disabilities. I'm going to defend this movie as just the opposite of that. I'm going to... I have a defense of this movie where it is exploitation and uplifting at the same time. And oh, both oh, of those are positive. Film, but I, I kept looking at... Uh, I think his name is... Let me see if I've got him... I think it was Sung Chow Chen was the gentleman with the with the uh, the flipper. Yes. Yeah, Sung Chow Chen is, and uh, Chow Ming Kang was the one with the really withered legs. Although I wasn't sure if those were prosthetic. Or, I th you know. I think they were. I was wondering why they left because if I had legs like that, I'd just chop those suckers off. Especially in, in, if I was in this movie where you can just chop limbs off and not bleed to death. Yeah. So I would have gotten yeah. rid of those a long time ago, but but th this stars two legitimate kung fu practitioners who were amputees. One it looks like one had some sort of birth defect and had no arms except for a little flipper on one side, and the other one had no legs. And it is. It is a the very movie writes itself. Yeah, it's it's very positive uh, towards its heroes, and um, I just felt a little bit gross <laughs> watching it though. Uh, See, I, I love. <laughs> no, go ahead. I, it's just it's it's silly. It is, um, 
goofy as all hell. I love the fact that the logic of this of this film film is just well, a guy goes over here and they fight. Then that guy goes over there and they fight. It's just I, nothing but fights. This is yeah, it is it, it's it's a very just sort of, you know, the most um purified form of the kung fu movie you know everybody has the most simple of of motivations and you know and then you have like the and the bad guys are bad and the good guys are good and it it reminds me of movies that i would have made in college that right it has the same mindset you, you basically the story is of someone who's been taken down to their lowest point <laughs> they could be po- taken down to and they redeem themselves by beating up the people who put them there the end and <laughs> and like i my the first time i heard about this movie i would imagine would have been through the psychotronic which gave it a sort of like it was kind of pissy about it just sort of i think the quote is uh, basically like uh, it provides unique thrills for jaded viewers period and just like mm-hmm. uh, if you if you if you really want to watch this, but then again, it's one of John Waters' favorite movies, and I guess he shows it at Christmas at his Christmas party every year. So, um, I I think it's exploitive because it's an basically an oh, yeah. exploitation movie, and as such, it's that's the nature of it. So it <laughs> succeeds as such, but well, it sells itself on the fact that hey. You want you want to see some freaks? I mean, this is 1979, so we're you know using the, the vernacular of the day. You want to see some freaks at kung fu? So yeah, it is, an, it is well, exploiting your curiosity. Yeah, and that's that's to be expected by an exploitation movie. But at the same time, on top of it being an exploitation movie, it's just a it's it's also just a movie. And as a movie, right. it shows. Two guys who, you know, who are amputees or have birth defects, who've actually learned martial arts and are marginally, they're acting as well as anybody else in the movie. And their martial and arts are up to snuff, you know? And, and there's also the theme of to get, you know, separately, you're okay, together, we're awesome. Yes. And all, yeah. all, also, like, you don't need arms or legs to to kick somebody's ass even if they have a metal hump on their back right what i, I thought at first he was a hunchback and i was wondering yeah. what that, that that scar was underneath his right eye but i guess he was wearing some sort of like cross or something some sort of metal plate or something that they, yeah. they would try to beat down on but like there was one moment and it wasn't meant to be comedic <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> but it, it was just a point where he was talking to someone in his court and he goes over to sit down in his chair and he's got to sit in it kind of weird because he's got his hunchback yeah. and it just reminded me of like a mel brooks character you know mm-hmm. just you know dealing with their unwieldy you know whatever sort of maybe from like young frankenstein but there's a little bit of um of a bunch of his movies there yeah. but it, it wasn't meant to be funny but it just seemed like that there was and i'm like what the hell is going on with his back and then later on 
when they would beat on it, you would hear like clang, clang, clang. So I'm like, okay, he's got some sort of weird armor there. Mm-hmm. You, you uh, don't so... really, really want to ask too many questions in this movie because yeah. in the first, if you start asking questions, your brain's going to explode within the first 45 seconds of it. Of yeah. why is this guy losing consciousness and <laughs> <laughs> passing out from loss of blood? Why isn't he bleeding? <laughs> mm-hmm. Why does um, why is his first thought go to town and get some food once your arms are cut off? It, literally, there's a double amputation in the first minute of the movie, and the guy heads to town to get some chow. Isn't it like within the first five seconds that we see the arm, the, the, the mannequin arm thrown to the ground? It's like, do they teach you in martial arts to clot blood extra fast or something like that? I don't know. I mean, sadly, this is from uh, a time when there weren't in uh, Hong Kong cinema. They didn't care much about doing cast lists. Uh, But I think you and I both agree that that the most valuable player was Grampy. Yes. Oh, yes. That face, man. Grampy was the coolest. Did he die? I, he was killed, right? I they left it unclear, but I pretty much got the idea that they just came and beat him to death. That's how it would be in my movie. Yeah. So I'm assuming they just beat they, they yeah yeah I'm assuming they just beat him to death because you don't see him after that. Otherwise, he would have been around and done something. Mm-hmm. Um, Grampy who sleeps in fruit baskets and. He's proud of it. He's actually boasting about it at one time. Some people sleep in beds. I sleep in a fruit basket. Yeah. <laughs> Grampy's Grampy's got the best music in, in this and uh, just the, the, the best moments. And, you know, I, I just love, yeah, every aspect of, of Grampy. And that Grampy's sort of like... All right, Grampy's the guy who comes and helps these two guys, but he's also just sort of working his own agenda. You know, yeah, he's he's really just been like, aha, I found my two, my two thieves. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, I got the sense that they had these two martial artists who, you know, could do amazing things despite their disabilities. And they didn't think much about a plot. So about the 45-minute mark, they go, okay, let's, how about this? There's a thing they have to get. And yeah, so, and, it, uh, and it worked, but, like, you know, I, I think they might have thought it out a little bit more just because they got to use pretty much all their all their powers that they were learning, like, you know, crossing on, on bamboo poles and stuff, so. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, you know, I mean, literally, you could do a Mad Max Fury Road with this and just draw a bunch of pictures for your script and go out and film it. <laughs> I mean, the the dialogue is literally just people saying, and and who knows what the dialogue is, you know, in 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 English translation, it could all be completely different. But they say stuff like, "If I don't die, I'll be a success." <laughs> The thing is, of course, this is fairly serious. In Hong Kong, I bet this film was uh, approached a lot more seriously 
than it was when it was released here by New Line Cinema in 1979. Um, yeah, the, the the actors are chewing up the lines of dialogue in this for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, what what is pretty weird is the fact that it's a, it's a very positive film about overcoming your um you know overcoming your shortcomings and, and rising your, above and your differences because they were they were avowed enemies that had to yeah. had to come together and to fight a common enemy and became a you know and at the at the ultimate moment they they form they form into their transformer <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's what well, they you need. You knew the second I, he kept saying that you were parts of a whole. You knew there was going to be a transformer moment. I was I was expecting it earlier, to be honest with you, because this movie really doesn't like you know it wasn't really like we'll save it to last. But they did save it to last. I'll give them credit for that. <laughs> and when they when they do do it. It's not. It's more impressive than I thought, and not as. It's not as visually impressive, but the way they figured out, you know, this guy can fight him off with his arms while he kicks kicks him in the balls backwards. You know, it's yeah. nicely done. Or or once in a while, one of them would would like grab onto a pole above to and, and desegment while the other one did his thing, and then they would reattach. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, you've got to admit, you've never seen Butt Fu before. I have not. That. <laughs> that that scene, yeah. Uh, I you know you know it's coming, but you just it's it's almost like just set up for for bad memes and stuff where the guys just like. <laughs> Bends over and just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but it's... I mean, it's... T- without the two leads, who, this is their only film. And you would think... It's funny because you would think um, they would have done a whole series of these. You think other... so? I I wonder if there wasn't like I don't know. Like I see it now, when I when I watch it, like I I would I w- I was ready to condemn it from what I've heard about it for all this time. And then when I was watching it, I was like, this is pretty. I mean, except for the just wanton cruelty in it, <laughs> acid acid melting legs and chopping of arms and stuff. Other than that, it's very wholesome. Like the subtext of it is very, is very positive and wholesome and ahead of its time, really, and how it handles the subject. So I was, I was impressed with that. I was like, they didn't just find two amputees and say, okay, let's film them so they look like they're doing kung fu. These guys were probably working doing a show in the circus or something, you know, they, or, or just were working out at a dojo and someone said, you guys should do a, have a movie career, you know? And, Mm -hmm. 
And it also, they are on screen, not only because they are amputees, but because they are legit martial artists. And legit is so far as they can do the stunts and, and visual impressive feats for a movie. <laughs> Thus giving I mean, hope to all like themselves. Yeah. That's why I think this movie is one of the most beneficial movies ever released in cinema. <laughs> it's it's such a weird like I said, I, I felt kind of uncomfortable throughout it, watching, knowing that these people not I didn't know that this was their only film, but knowing that they were basically being exploited. And that we were being exploited for our curiosity. But it's it's a decent film. It's about on par with anything that was coming out of uh, Golden Harvest at the time. Uh, of course, the the dubbing is bizarre, but it's it's, it's got lively a, music. I love oh, yeah. the, the 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 comical heist music, music they have in it yeah. is great. And I know I'm never going to be able to find the soundtrack to this, but like I'm going to see if I can bleed off a few seconds of that heist music. It's classic. Yeah. It is a straight... It's just... There is... I think that it was... A lot of it, I'm pretty sure, was stock stuff. It didn't sound like it was made specifically for this film. I mean, this does no, not no. seem like... No, there wasn't anything yeah. specifically timed with the music or, or anything like that. Yeah. But, like, the music th th that they chose out of the stock library for that, you know, like, comical number 54 or what, you know, comical take number 54 is, it's great. It's great, and it's weird, and, it, and it's a weird tonal, there's a lot of weird tonal shifts on a dime in this movie, and that's just another one. It's like, oh, we're in a, we're in a, uh, goofy caper movie now you know and now now all of a sudden there's a secret government agent working in the whole thing too and, it, and it's for what it's worth that was that was biz, that was a bizarre i'm like okay i was thinking that maybe he was gonna get crippled in some way he was gonna get hurt when we first saw him but no they, they take no. out his midsection yeah. Oh no. Well, I was thinking something like maybe because I know that there is another film which is called The Crippled Master, uh, The Five Crippled Masters, or something, where one guy is deaf and one guy is blind. I thought maybe th he was going to get deafened or blinded or something. But nope. No, he's just they just there. sort of use him as another character to throw in the mix, and they sort of like. Yeah. All right, we'll use him sort of as a bad guy and sort of as a good guy, bad guy, you know, sort of character. So he gets to sort of play all over the place in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, doesn't really end up meaning too awful much to the plot. Yeah. But, well, it help, um... helps them get the their seven deus machinas, but... Yeah, yeah. The MacGuffins or whatever. And then we, of course, have comedy villain Poe. Who looks film. like one of my old co-workers. <laughs> who, is, who is Sicilian. 
but there's something about the shape of their face and mm-hmm. not really the demeanor as much, but just the shape of his face. It's just, it was just very. I'm if John Valone, if you're listening, I'm sorry, man. I guess I'm not sorry. It's not like he's super ugly or anything, but it's yeah. weird. Kind of looks like you, the the comedy <laughs> bad guy in Triple uh, Masters. We, we, who's but we have to see. So, <laughs> oh god. And then there's I wasn't sure what was going on with with the henchman though, because there's the one guy with the with the pancake makeup on, with the white face. I I get the feeling that there was a lot that that maybe there was a lot cut out of this or there were other yeah. stories and I I get a feeling that there were like we knew the we there was more to the henchmen and I, and yeah. I get a feeling that it was there was a subplot maybe with the henchmen and the whorehouse because it seemed like the whorehouse yeah. characters were better were well developed but they're only just sort of standing in those one scenes like they cut out all their story or something. Mm-hmm. which i could see i i can see like the the way that they like tell stories in chinese movies compared mm-hmm. to what the, the appeal of it in america i could see them taking out a whole like family drama or or something that happened around the cat house um i oh, there there was obviously something going on with the warlord particularly because he had that strange marking which i think was supposed to be scar tissue it was like it was like he not only got burned but charred (laughs) yeah it was weird at first i thought it might be some sort of ornamental makeup that he wears or something and then i'm like no i think that's supposed to be just something horrible that happened to his face so it's hard to it's, tell. There's people are ugly in this movie. There's some bad teeth in this movie. Oh God, yes. Um, the, the 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 guy with the uh, the, the the legless gentleman, uh, his teeth are awful. Are horrible. Uh, the antique the antique dealer in town had some had some uh, chiclets on him too. And, uh, and Grampy's not exactly a pleasant sight either. With his Gr- Grampy just looks like he's got his dentures out. He had a few <laughs> teeth in there, but he had that thing where the jaw's just going right up into your face. Yeah. <laughs> love Grampy. Which is what my Grampy used to do. <laughs> see, I, I would love to see a whole series of like Ocean's Eleven styles films with Grampy. Um. Recruiting different people for different heists. Oh my God! They should have had him in. Um, what was it? A few episodes back. Um, oh, Fantasy Mission Force. Yes, he he should have been one of the Fantasy Mission Force people. <laughs> but he's just an old man. Yes. Aha! <laughs> it's an old man who can kick your ass. <laughs> Oh, I love. This was like I said. I mean, it was it was fun, but it was a weird sort of fun. I, I never quite got over the fact that I was watching people who were really had misfortunes in their lives, so to speak. Now, do you think it's because also the movie is just so like crude? Ludicrous. Yeah. 
like, I mean, I mean, when like when I first saw his flipper, I didn't know like I didn't know the guy had a flipper. I thought that I was just like, whoa, they got really out of hand with that. They've got just like a they like attached a chunk of like meat to him or something. I was like, I thought that was just really graphic makeup, and then yeah. I'm like, oh no, it's his flipper, and then I'm like. Well, then that's not how cutting an arm off works. But then the yeah. other guy, you get to see his legs get get mm-hmm. melted off with acid until they're these shriveled, whizzled, burnt-up things. Now, if those are his real legs, boy, that's... I don't think they're his real legs because there are a couple shots where they look like they were made out of, like, um, paper towel rolls and stuff, you know? But you never know. But, I, and, but just uh, that you see them so graphically mutilated in the movie, it maybe that makes it just a little more, you know, drives it drives it home more. And you and you and and like I was sort of wonder, wondering, I'm like, I hope these guys were born like this and didn't have this happen in some traumatic accident mm-hmm. that they have to relive uh, <laughs> in the filming yeah. of the movie. They didn't seem to. They, I mean, right. they were they were putting their all into the performance, so. Well, I know for a fact that the um, the armless gentleman uh, was a thalidomide baby. That's been confirmed. He basically was a genetic that, mutation. That explains a flipper, yeah. Exactly. And boy, can he use that flipper to, to roll a stick around, that's for sure. Yeah, that was amazing. And that I, I when I watched that I was like I they weren't even cutting frames out of that. That was a legit a yeah. little little stunt that he learned and uh it was that was really amazing. It, and it's funny because it, of course it served no function but it was just very visually right. impressive. <laughs> well, he did try to beat up on a wacky warlord guy with with a stick. Now, I, do you get the idea that they just ran out of film and stopped the movie? Well, that's that's all. That's a lot of. I know, mean, they made it. Seventies, yeah. <laughs> they made it to that's the end, but you know, like I, I've been watching. I had to watch a bunch of Hammer movies with the mm-hmm. with the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror, and the ha- Hammer horror movies seemed to as soon as the plot was finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, uh, any subplotter at whatever didn't matter as soon as the main plot whatever was happening was officially like you could officially call it done the end right <laughs> and we we've seen a few movies like that too but this one yeah. this guy doesn't even hit the ground he's just on his way down you know he's on his way out but it's still like and then it just freeze frames it's like the end <laughs> but i i see i think you find it a lot of the kung fu movies of this era, of like the, the late seventies, uh, things just stopped in the middle of stuff, you know. So, and this is not the greatest of prints. Let's be honest. Um, the New Line Cinema uh, print, it's just, hey, look, the very beginning, it's the crippled masters at the very end, the end. Nothing in the way of credits. But that was to be expected. It was probably uh, they probably found a the cans of film in the back of an old theater somewhere, and that was probably the best print they had to to 
to work on, you know? Oh, I'm sure. I, I am absolutely positive that there is a, uh, a DVD or a Blu-ray release of this, because this is a very significant... Um, this is a very significant martial arts film because it is so unique, unique I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right word. I was looking for the right word. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it, but at the time, all they were thinking oh. about was getting prints out into the theaters and turning it into yeah. money to pay off the cartel or, you know, or whatever its yeah. equivalent was in the United States or your, your creditor, whoever your creditors happened to be for, for whatever. Mm-hmm. So, I don't think they were really worrying about archiving it too much. I don't know. I guess I'd have to read more about that. But I, I, I would guess with a lot of those, you know, low-budget movies, that was just not <laughs> not forefront on there. We have to rent out a, faci- a temperature-controlled, humidity-controlled facility to keep all these things yeah. pristine for the future. When future, I mean, I'm sure they had a sh- shelf life. I'm sure they had a short shelf life in China and then another shelf life in America. Yeah. And then and then uh, like a TV shelf, then a WPIX shelf life. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to remember the name. There was a show that I think it was a WWNYW used to have on on Saturdays, which showed like back-to-back Kung Fu movies. Yeah, Kung, Kung Fu Theater. Okay, there you go. That's pretty logical. But I'm looking at the alternate titles. And there's one that just, I mean, some of them are, are pretty normal. You know, uh, in Hong Kong, it was known as the Crippled Master, as it was here. Uh, in Japan, it was called the Crippled Heaven for some reason. Okay. Also, known as Mir- also known as Miracle Kung Fu Ashura. But in Luxembourg, it was known as Zombie 16, No Arms versus No Legs. <laughs> well, I guess in in some sort of story way, they do come back from the dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> zombie sixteen. I wonder what the other fifteen zombie movies were renamed from. I don't know. Well, I don't know. Probably zombie like... one and two were probably like uh, zombie and and Dawn of the yeah. Dead or something. <laughs> So, got list. Look at all of these. Uh, it's had quite an interesting um, path through DVD and uh, video and all this. Uh, New Line Cinema was the distributor here in the United States. Then it was uh, TGG Direct released the DVD here. Uh, I don't. Doesn't seem to have a. Uh, Blu-ray, but there's a DVD out there, and I'm willing to bet it's the kind of DVD that you find at like dollar stores. Two ninety-nine, or, yeah, or, or yeah. yeah, ninety-nine cents. But it's uh, it's one of these you've got to see it. <laughs> well, the good thing that, is, it's on um, it's on YouTube. Yes, it is. It is on YouTube. That's where we found it. Um. And it's 90 minutes, like like most of the ideal uh, grindhouse films that we know and love. It 
gets in, gets out, and does it does what it does and leaves. It does not overstay its welcome. It, it does not. I, as a matter um, of fact, I could have used a sequel to tell you the truth. I'm surprised there wasn't, to be honest. Uh, there were a couple of similar films, like Crippled Avengers in 78, which actually predates this one, which is about three um, disabled people who um, get revenge from an e- by an evil warlord. But I think that one is more fakey fake than this. This is real, so to speak. It's um, the real deal. It's the real It's real people with disabilities kicking able people's asses all over the place. See, if uh, you know, you know what the weirdest thing is. What made me when I was watching it made me think this is like a movie I would make. Is when um, the guy gets his arms cut off, he falls into a river, of course, and and has uh, after he arms cut off, go to town, get some food, get beat up, fall in the river, wash downstream. Then he comes crawling out of the river on his belly and ends up eating out of the hog trough. Now, if yeah. I, that's totally a scene I would make. And then after I made it and had thought about it a little bit with people would be like, this is, this movie's just so simple and dumb. I'd be like, no, don't you see? I'm, I'm, I'm making a metaphor for evolution here where this guy mm-hmm. crawls out of the primordial sea and eventually, you know, eventually finds, you know, evolves and finds his way in some bullshit like that. That's what I love about movies like this. <laughs> I guess I got the wrong information because um, those two actors show up in a sequel called Crippled Heroes in 1980. Oh, I I mean, it's almost doesn't make sense that they didn't because it, it, it doesn't make any sense. This movie obviously had some success to make it over here and to, you know, to to sort of have survived as long as it did. So that's, three of that is good news. There are three of them. The that's, one is that makes five. even more sense. Uh, All right, um, the universe isn't as fucked up as I thought it was. Well, the, the weird thing is, is that fighting life, the, the last century, seems to happen in the modern day. But... All three. There are three of them with these guys. I thought that he just dropped off the face of the earth. Did you say the second one was Crippled Heroes? Crippled Heroes, then Fighting Life. Then Fighting Life, okay. Fighting Life. I wonder if they're Fighting Life or if it's the fi- if it's like the Fighting Life. Either way, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to treat myself ah. to Crippled Heroes tonight. He's and then he goes and um, Jackie uh, Khan, the uh, armless gentleman, goes on to appear in Raiders of the Shaolin Temple in 1982, and then he shows up on the Marty Stewart Show in 2013 in Philadelphia as the owner of the Philadelphia Gun and Pawn Shop. So he's gotten a, 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 like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm about to make a bad joke, about half a career. Nice yeah, little half, that, 
half career. But, you know, I mean, this is 79, so it's getting towards the end of the Kung Fu craze that started in 73. And I guess at this time, you know, they were looking for gimmicks. And that's why we got... I mean, he so, could have got he could have gotten a, he could have gotten a job in Star Wars movies and astromech droids and stuff. So, but uh, it's it's unique. I I don't know if we could really make this film today. It could. Uh, I think it could be made today. It would be a much different movie. Than it is, than it was, maybe. Um, because there were a number of, I guess you could call them disabled, disabled exploitation films. Because uh, they did one. You remember this guy? His name was J.J. Arms. No. He was a private detective. He was a private detective who had his arms blown off in Vietnam. He was a real person. I forget what his real name is. But he, you know, he had hooks. He had artificial limbs. And um, they did a movie with him. That sounds almost like a project that he wrote. You know, it sounds almost like something that he came up with and was like, I'm, you know. I, I, I remember... Um, Oh, what what the hell is his name from Willard, the actor from Willard and uh, um, Back to the Future? Um, Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover made a movie with an all Down Syndrome cast. That I did not know. It's uh, it's bizarre. <laughs> it would have been bizarre whether it was all Down Syndrome actors and actresses anyway but it becomes even more there's a slug squishing and stuff it's mm-hmm. it's very strange that one definitely uh makes you feel a bit squirmy uh and then there's mr no legs which is a film where the one of the villains is a guy who had his legs amputated Oh, there's Rondo Hatton too. Yeah, Rondo Hatton. So there's there's a history of exploiting. I mean, hell, um, the late great uh, Robert Zadar. You know, he suffered from uh, what they call cherubism, which is why he had that big ass chin. Oh, oh wow! I never thought about that as that. Sammy Davis Jr. and Carol Burnett only had one eye. Yeah, well, that's that's. Yeah, yeah. but the difference between the difference between this film and let's say a Sammy Davis Jr. film is nobody's drawing attention to the fact that Sammy Davis Jr. has got a glass eye. No, and it really it's, wouldn't. It's, it's it really wouldn't. But... Like the only thing I could think of with either of them that would be like ironic as if they were in a 3D movie that they could never watch and that's about as far as it would go. 
Well, you know, you know the film um, House of Wax with Vincent yes. Price, one of the, perhaps the most well-known and most effective 3D films. The guy who directed it had one eye. That's hilarious. It, well, I wouldn't say hilarious, but it, you know, he he had no death perception, so. <laughs> So there is a history. There is a long, there's a long history of the grindhouse exploiting otherness. I mean, hell, freaks, uh, freaks. I was about to say freaks. I was about to uh, let's face it, the way American cinema treated black people in the 30s is pretty much, yeah, is pretty much like that as well. Because you know, they were the others, so they. Well, they were almost at... got they almost got it imposed on them oh, in the movies. You know, they almost mm-hmm. got it added on to their roles in the movies rather than like being exploit exploited for. Uh, what what was was there something wrong with Tor Johnson or was he just a big fat guy <laughs> with a weird face? <laughs> he was no, he was he was a, a Swedish man. He was just ah, a big here... guy. Okay. Yes. J J Arms A R M E S is an American amputee private investigator and actor. This is the guy I was talking about. He um where which movie is it? Okay, I don't I don't see cuz I know that there was a movie that that was based on him um and he, they had a line of toys oh man 1976 the ideal toy corporation which was based here in queens new york for the longest time if you were in jamaica and you were going up jamaica avenue at a certain point you could still see the 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 ideal toy company logo on the side of it, the building that used to be its headquarters. Um, they launched the JJ Arms toy line, which featured a JJ Arms action figure with detachable prosthetics, various gadgets, and a mobile investigation unit. So he was, and he was in Hawaii Five O. He was in Mysteries at the Museum. But I'm sure that there is a. Uh, I am positive. There is a film based on him, if not starring him himself. Um, uh, yeah, that was made in the in the seventies. So, I'm gonna do some research on that because I got JJ Arms with an E. Yes, with an E. Yes, yes. there's there's got to be video out there. <laughs> Well, well, of course there is, because like I said, he was in... Ah, here we go. J.J. Arms. Here's his IMDb. Um, The actor, one, self, has a couple... uh, Yeah, okay. I I, I swore there was a a movie based on... If anybody knows of this movie, please let us know, because Mm. I swear I've seen posters for it. I, I just remembered another amputee mm-hmm. um, movie moment. The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing. Yeah. 
That that was almost more exploitative than Crippled Masters. Mm-hmm. If I think about yeah. it. Right. But like I said, it was it was a different time. <laughs> yes. No, that's the thing people seem to forget when they when they bring up films from the sixties and the seventies on charges that they are political not, not politically incorrect, but that they are just wrong is that there were different mores then, so it was you know, I'm sure that, that Andy and I will get into this when we do our uh James Bond special next I, month. I, I I think that like almost like things have have ever since the internet fully took force, things move forward mm-hmm. so fast that people like if after a certain amount of time, after like the last 20 years past, people are sort of unable to put things into context right? as well as they used to be and, and go like, I'm watching a piece of, you know, while I'm watching this movie, I'm also watching a piece of anthropological history of our culture, you know, rather than like trying to cram it into today's context. One of the reasons I love watching spy movies from the 60s is that it is a time capsule it is a look into a different world and it's not even it's it's partially into that world and partially how that world saw itself and everything it's it's always it's amazing yeah Mm -hmm. so um whereas this is it's funny because you know i'm i'm still very actively interested in Asian cinema and I've watched recent uh, films that are period pieces and they treat things a lot differently where it's just now it's, it's almost like like westerns it seems the 70s kung fu movies oh yeah well they're they're, they're the same sort of thing they're taking place in a in a time where in, in a similar time period as the westerns took place and <laughs> you know of of people you know having to traverse a, a path to get from city to city right. and stuff like that. So it, it, you get the same sort of stories, you know. Yeah. So, um, go into it with your eyes open, people, because it is a little. It might be a little off-putting at first. Um. <laughs> It is, though, it is unique, kind of, and it is positive. This is the, the, the weird thing, is that for a film, it's almost like the, the... Are you familiar with the work of Dwayne Esper? No. Okay, Dwayne Esper was a filmmaker from the 30s. And what he used to do was he would make these exploitation films under the guise of being educational. Like, he made a film, a really bizarre film called Maniac, which I do not recommend because it features, among other things, uh, animal cruelty. And a very young Phyllis Diller. Um, But it it was just this insane pseudo-horror film, but they cloaked it in the... Esper pretended that it was about mental illness and how you have to be... Educated in mental illness. Or this could happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I think... I think 
like Reefer Madness was marketed like that because what Esper would do, he'd make his film and he'd go from town to town and he'd rent out a movie theater and he'd hire an actor to pretend to be a noted educator to give a lecture before the film and uh, it was like a big dog and pony show. And the thing is, this is a very surprisingly... Po- and the thing is, they always tried to make it a positive spin on, on things. And this is also... They, they're very positive right up front, but you can be great. It doesn't matter well, that you have no lights. Who cares? I sleep in a basket. Hey! That's uh, on, uh, With this one, though, like... It was it was sort of like the effect of like I went in getting ready to be grossed out like not grossed out like ooh gory right. but grossed out in a, just sort of a deeper way, and yeah. then I was just struck with the the wholesomeness of it. So it's like it, it almost it, 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 despite itself it really should be sleazy and it really should be like kind of. Um, more feeling like cannibal holocaust or something feeling when you get out of it but like about halfway through it I was just like hey I'm rooting for these guys and and like it, it, it just yeah it was a, I, I thought it was a good thing I think it's a good thing for potentially somebody who would be born without arms or legs to see that, that not in so far as like taking the story of it to heart but to go like if I did martial arts or like that, I could I could actually be in movies, you know, and not just as some guy in a monster suit or something, but as the lead in a movie, oh, you know. Yek. Look at John Yek, who had who had a legitimate. Um, he was a sideshow performer in the '30s, but he had also had a legitimate career as an actor. I think he's in um, High Plains Drifter. Oh, okay. he was born, yeah, you know, you know who I'm talking about, right? No, I don't. I haven't seen High Plains Drifter since I was a little kid. Okay, he's the gentleman without the legs. Okay, that makes sense. <laughs> but he he was a legit. He was considered a legitimate actor. He just didn't have any legs. But um, I think you're getting a little too inspired. Uh-oh. Uh, I, I, I gotta I gotta I gotta drag you down to the grime a little bit. I just crawled up out of thriller of a cruel picture just a few months ago. I'm still recovering from that. Yeah. And then you gotta eat my dust. Yeah. And you that's got the true. arena. That's then true. Then you got the great ones. I think it's time to introduce you. To some grimy softcore sexploitation. Yeah. To be precise, next month you are to watch Pets, the infamous sexploitation film starring the notorious Candy Rialston, perhaps best known for, by most people as the star of Chatterbox, the film with the talking vagina. Ah, I've never seen it, but I've that was one of the first bad films I ever heard of if, via the Golden Turkey Awards. Yes. Yeah. That was one of the ones that was featured in the Golden Turkey Awards, exactly. 
so so pets is your assignment it's about a young woman who is innocent and carefree who encounters a man who likes to keep beautiful things as pets Ooh, there's a lot more to it but that sounds like the sounds like uh the crawl space with terrence stamp a little bit maybe <laughs> we'll find out oh boy i'm gonna i have such sights to show you in the next coming months my friend <laughs> oh awesome <laughs> Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S. You can email Two True Freaks directly at twotruefreaks at gmail.com. Two True Freaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes, and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish, or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from, there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. That is freaky.